Native Luxembourger Gus Waltzing is one of the most famous Luxembourgers of our time. He began studying music at the Luxembourg Conservatory when he was just seven years old. He then continued his classical training at the Royal Conservatory of Brussels before completing his studies at the Paris Conservatory. Since then, he has recorded dozens of albums which cover classical, jazz and dance. Gus has also written over 150 pieces of music for television and movies. In 2004, he founded WPR Records which sets out to promote young musicians and has featured in the Luxembourg National Jazz Orchestra. In 2008, Gus Waltzing was appointed jazz director at the Eschternach International Music Festival. And his latest honour is that he's been nominated for a Grammy Award and he is here with us today to talk about it and a little bit about how he got here. Hello. Hello, Gus. How are, how are you? you doing today? You look very, very well. Thank you so much. Can you say that again? I love it. You look very, <laughs> very well, Gus. It's like honey coming down. Thank you. So today I wanted to talk to you about how you got to where you are today. I think people are very curious because you are one of those famous Luxembourgers that people know the name of immediately. And that's not something that you can achieve easily, especially in your industry. I think that young people struggle now to really make a career out of music because they don't have, they don't know the direction to go in or they have some inkling that they like music, but they just don't know where to begin. So I want to talk about how you began. And it says that you started studying music at just seven years old. Was that because of your parents or because of your own interest? Mm, Well, this was, well, let's first say why it's because my father was so incredibly rich and he bought everything. No, that's a joke. No, I was in the village and there was a music, you know, fanfare in the village and I always wanted to be in it. I know it sounds kind of a little bit stupid like that, but I wanted to be in it. So with uh, seven years, I started to get there and I got a trumpet because by pure luck, there was a trumpet in the cupboard, which was left over because you didn't choose, you know, because you have to know that those days in Luxembourg there was only the RTL orchestra and the military band that was all which was happening music wise you know we're talking some yes decades ago ago. (laughs) so uh, has been some time and then I was lucky because the conductor of the music was a military musician and he said why I would not try to go to the conservatoire in town Mm -hmm. which was absolutely not done so you had to be in Luxembourg city or so you know I come from the village and my parents it was a big deal for them, and so from there on it continued. So I actually got lucky that I had nice people around me in the beginning. That sounds incredible. I mean, I thought you were going to tell me that from a young age, your parents forced you to do music, and that's how it started. But Absolutely not. Wow. No, this sounds, that's what I say, it sounds a little bit, you know, like I prepared my biography, but I really wanted to do this because I quit also high school, mm. which my parents, my father was a postman, so, you know, we're coming from very modest uh, things, and he would have loved if I would have been a doctor or a lawyer, like a good Luxembourger should be. <laughs> and believe me, when I told him uh, when I was on troisième, yeah, in uh, Athene, and I said I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna. I just made my exam in Brussels, and I got taken. I'm gonna do professional music. Believe me, there was fun in the house. A lot of fun in the house. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have. Uh, I have a sister, but she's six years older. She was in a total different era. And is she interested in music the way you are? No. Okay. No. Because what I'm trying to get at is I'm wondering if yours is something that you were just born with or do you think that you really had a liking to it and you just worked so hard? No, I think it is, um, you have to get a little little bit of talent with you. But most part Mm -hmm. is 98% is work. 
In my family, I was lucky because I have uh, in the family of my f- mother's side, there's, there's painters, there's uh, guys who work in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So we had a little bit of luck, so they were open. I mean, the family got more open to that artistic side mm-hmm. those days. And, but I still go that it is 98% is a little bit of work. And how do your parents feel or how did they feel when you were getting to be more and more famous? Do you think that they were then very glad that you were never a doctor? Or no, a actually, my father, I think the moment when I became professor in the conservatoire, I think that was for a good Luxembourger, you know, now wow. we have a steady job. So at least the rent <laughs> is going to be paid. Yeah. So they were that very down mean, to But that doesn't mean that they were not proud, I think. They just yeah. didn't show it so much because it's it was it was different, you know. Mm-hmm. And when is the first moment when you heard a piece of music that blew you away? Uh, Ray Charles in uh, the sports hall in Oberkorn and I was uh, 13. Mm-hmm. I was taking because I was in the big band and in the uh, fanfare from the Athene, which also was lucky because we were all together there. A lot of people who became professional musicians were all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there's a little bit of luck also around. Mm-hmm. And I got um, tickets for free to see Ray Charles, which I didn't know really. I knew the name, but you know. Yeah. And that blew me away. There was this little trumpet player who stood in front, and I said, That's what I would love to do. But it's funny because you started with a trumpet not out of choice, but because it was the last one in the cupboard. <laughs> And now, you know, that's your main instrument. So have you tried other things and and come to the conclusion that the trumpet is your thing? No, the trumpet is my thing, definitely. I tried a little bit of piano and double bass, and believe me, I'm really bad at it. Really? Yes, 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 because I didn't practice it. But you've worked as a conductor also. Yeah, no, but that's, there you have to have ears. Okay. (laughs) There you have to study all the instruments. It's in a different way. No, I'm talking like... Playing on the piano, yeah. I'm, I'm very bad. I'm incredibly bad. So I didn't work it enough. That's the thing. Is there another instrument that you would have liked to have been good at? Mm, piano would have been... I should have worked a little bit harder on my piano because for composing and that, it would have helped me sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so what happened after your studies? Did you land a job straight away? Or? Oh, yes. I was like... I saw that was going to be... Everybody was going to call me immediately and then you find out that maybe it's not quite like that and then... I was lucky in Brussels. I worked quite a bit. I was already work, doing some studio work because I was in jazz and classical and mm-hmm. I was also in the symphonic orchestra of the Flemish radio. I was a trumpet player there. In Paris, I didn't work at all because those days Paris was still eight French guys and one foreigner in the class. So before they asked me, there was always a French guy who got the job first. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and um, luckily I, I got to give some lessons in the Conservatoire Chargé Cour for trumpet. But then I played with chamber orchestras and, you know, I tried to make a living out of that, but that was quite tough. So I did also... Um, dance music, you know, mm-hmm. the Saturday dancing evenings. And then we started with Park Cafe, with Maggie. We had this band which was working not too bad in the 80s. With jobs like this and then also to be an author and to be an artist, all these jobs are things that people think make a lot of money once you're famous. Um, but what's the truth behind it for you? You know, what's your advice for people who think that it makes a lot of money? Well, if you do it for the money, you do it for the wrong purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can survive, that's already pretty good. Now, like my royalties, like with 100 movie scores I did and stuff, I would be able to be living on it since about 10 years. But you don't have to forget that I'm quite old now. So it took me... 40 years to get there. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. to be able really you can never talk about the exceptions because <clears throat> in the media you talk about Jay-Z or Beyonce and that's different that's the whole you know that's a big company that's huge but the normal guys who try to survive if you do it for the money you're in the wrong business and that was never your intention well I like to have a good bottle of wine you know it's <laughs> You know, I never said no when I got some yeah. money, but it was not really, uh, when you get it, it's cool. You know, yeah. that was the thing. I, I always say that I was able to live with $100 a month. Yeah. Then I was not able to live with $1,000 a month. And maybe now I'm not able to live for $5,000 a month. It's yeah. all, it all depends. But if I would go back to 1000 I'm sure I could do that again. And what about the fame that comes with doing what you do? You know, fame, that is such a word. I really don't, you know, what is fame? You know, are you a big fish in a small pond? Are you a small fish in a very big pond? Mm. Are you, no, you know, fame is something, you know, how can I say it? It's very nice when you get acknowledged. Yeah. I always say when I do the concert on the Knödler, for the Fetler Music with the symphony orchestra. And some nice people stop me the next day or two days later in the Grossgasse and say me, hey, that was a nice program. That was really, that is nice. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, fame comes also with the guys you actually do not want to talk to when you're going having a drink at the bar and they tell you their life and they tell you how they would do it if they would be in your place. Mm-hmm. So everything has its up and downs. But, you know, fame... It so quickly comes and quickly goes. And what is fame? Being famous in Luxembourg, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you've been nominated for a Grammy. I think that's, well, that's a pretty yeah, that's okay, a pretty big deal. Let's be honest. Okay, uh, yes, you're doing but, pretty well. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that uh, it's good that that happened didn't happen 30 years ago. Yeah, I see this much more. You know, I'm going to go to LA next week, and I'm going to have just fun if we get it or not for me it's already good yeah i think so too 30 years ago i probably would have been much more nervous about it but i think even to just have the nomination you've done something for luxembourg if not for yourself you've done something huge for luxembourg no i did um, i mean i did we did together you know you have the philharmonie was agreeing that we could record it that we did the project it was the orchestra philharmonie to luxembourg mm-hmm. who was okay to record it you know there is a whole bunch of people but what i'm proud of is that we did it all in Luxembourg. It was in my studio mixed. It's my arrangements with David. It's the Orchestra Philharmonique. You know, we have, it's a Luxembourgish project with a black singer. Mm-hmm. And how do you work? Do you, are you the kind of person that, you know, I always hear of artists telling me that when they're in this mindset of working, then they block out their personal lives. They don't see their friends. They don't see their families. And all they do is work for a period of time. How do you work? Well, um, you know, which story do you want? The one for the media or the real one? You know, that the one for aspiring okay. musicians. Well, you have to block yourself. You have to be an egoistical little asshole. I'm so sorry to say it. Because if you don't, um, you will not get your job really done. Mm. And you have to be thinking about yourself. But you have to be aware of it that... You need people around you who support you and who are willing to put up with that. So you have to be very grateful to those people because without those people, you would not be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And you have to, like uh, my wife always said, when I do conducting for a week or I'm in the studio with people for a week or two weeks, I become the boss. And then yeah. she tells me at home that I should do the laundry and do the dishwash <laughs> and not be the boss because it's very annoying to other people. And do you listen? Absolutely. So you are occasionally doing the laundry? I'm doing, uh, no, actually laundry, that's no lying. 
what I do is cooking <laughs> and I go shopping. Laundry is the one thing I don't okay. do anymore. Since I was a student, when I had to do those shirts, you know, for symphony orchestra, where I had to do that myself, I decided, or somebody does it for me, I go to the dry cleaner. Yeah. So she keeps you down to earth, basically. And my people I have around. I have people around me which I work with, Ben Vinda and, and David. And, you know, you have a crew around you. And with those people, they tell you it's okay now. You're just a normal guy who was lucky for one week. It's more than that, though. It's a lot of hard work that you've put in and it's now paying off. Um, and you can sit back a little bit. And I know that you're doing a lot of new cool things. I'm reading about it here. But at the same time, I think you can sit back and look back at your career and think, wow, I did a good job. I worked hard. It wasn't just luck. Um, I think that when people say it's very modest of you to say that it was a lot of it was luck, because I think that it comes from working hard and dedication and the kind of dedication that most other people are not willing to commit. Well, the thing is, you have to say, I always tell my students, luck is something you have to you have to get your luck, it has to come to you. You know, mm. you cannot just sit back and say, I'm going to wait until luck comes and will ask me to do the right the next song for Beyoncé. I said, you have to write 250 songs, you have to present them to people, you have to get refused, you have to stand up again, you have to be okay that you get criticized because you have to know the business we are in, everybody thinks he knows something about music, so you're going to get criticized too. And especially if you try to do a little bit your thing and try not to go in the mainstream, mm. And I think that's the strength. You have to have a big character. And there I come, I come back to the thing that you have to be sometimes inside yourself an egoistical little prick. What's your <laughs> advice for people who have to deal with rejection a lot? Because I think young people now that we, everyone is trying and everyone is dealing with rejection on a regular basis. What's the best way to pick up again? Well, if you're uh, sincere and honest with yourself, that means that the product in any business you're in the product you deliver, you can say, this is what I really think is for the moment the best I can do. Mm -hmm. And I believe in it. It will hurt you less. And then you have to say, you know, when you look at big inventions or big music pieces or stuff, a lot has been rejected. And then later on has been found back or has been done. So if you really believe what you do and you're honest with yourself, well, it's okay. It doesn't really matter so much. But it gets better with age. It hurts more when you're younger. But I'm tempted to ask the question now, um, has there ever been a piece of music that you created which you genuinely look back and thought, okay, wow, that was rubbish? Does that happen Absolutely. too? Absolutely. You have no idea how many pieces I throw away. Yeah. You have to be very self-critical with yourself. Mm -hmm. I also regret some pieces I let out and um, maybe got played or so, which I would not do that anymore. <laughs> but um, yes, of course, you have to throw away a lot. You're working with Angelique Kidjo. Yes. Um, can you tell us about the collaboration? Well, I know her since a long time as a uh, performer already. Mm. When I was a student in Brussels, she was, uh, she was around. And um, I went to Paris one day because I had this thing in my head. I said, you know, I have to get the African music combined with symphony orchestra. And so I went to Paris to see her and she let me wait three quarters of an hour and I said, that diva, I said, never I'm going to work with her because if somebody makes me wait that late, that means he's not, in they're not interested at all mm -hmm. whatsoever. Then we met at, in Montreux. I was there. I was with Quincy Jones, so she absolutely wanted to meet me because I was sitting next to Quincy Jones. That sounds now corny, but it was really happening like that. Yeah. 
And so then all of a sudden I was interesting. So I said, I really don't want to work with her. And then we sat down together and I said, and then she said, you're crazy. And I said, okay, come on, what, what can we do? What do you have to lose? I said, if I get the orchestra from Luxembourg to do the concert in Luxembourg, I said, there will be no critics. There will be no um, critics from outside the countries. I mean, you have nothing to lose. If you really hate it, then okay. I put the work in and you get, got paid for a concert. Mm -hmm. And then I sent her the arrangements, you know, on uh, on basis, you know, you, I do uh, maquette. I don't know how to say the language, yeah. you know. You, so, and then she said, wow, I said, will this work? I said, yeah, of course this will work. And then she brought her whole band and we did the concert with her band and the symphony orchestra. And mm -hmm. that was big success. So I convinced her, I said, let's record it. And they were, I said, just for fun. And so we recorded it. And then I took out the band, her band, and I said, listen how nice that can be, just the voice. Mm -hmm. And then we just added a little bit of African guitar, acoustic guitar, to for some reasons stuff. And so it took four years this whole project before it came down. Mm -hmm. And that is what I mean. You have to believe in it. I put a lot of money in it. I put a lot of thought in it, and it was a long time because it got accepted by the record companies. But it's all worth it in the end. Well, hey, I'm in LA next week. You know. Yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't work out so well for everyone. I think there are a lot of people that put in all the hard work and they just haven't had the right opportunities. And Yeah, uh, but I have done other projects also which didn't work out. I mean, yeah. this was what you call a lucky one. Yeah. Um, so you're conducting her performances this year with the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra. Uh, where we're going all over the world. And the Czech National Symphony Orchestra. Yes. and we're Where else are you going? Oh, I don't even know the whole schedule. I'm going to be in Shanghai. I'm in Beijing. I'm. For you, is it for the travel or is it just for work? It's both. Mm. How fun is it? If you go to Australia or to China the first time, yeah. you conduct a symphony orchestra, you get taken hand of, so they show you all the places you have, your driver who brings you to everything. Hey, how, how, how nice are, can you meet? meet uh, can you know new places? You yeah. go to the restaurants because they know the bells, the bell from the places, you know, the tourists. So, hey, it's great. It's much more than work, isn't it? You get to actually I see the world. Yeah. I really love it. Do you think you would have traveled that much if you weren't in this industry? Have you always been eager to travel? Or? No, I was I was traveling, but probably I wouldn't travel as comfortable as I traveled. <laughs> I want to say at this point for the listeners that you have a very uh, cheeky grin on your face when you say that. Well, it it took some time. I, you know, you spend a lot of time in cattle class, but it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so how do you balance your work as a composer, conductor, a record label producer and a jazz musician? It's a lot of hats for one person. You always do the one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do one thing at a time. Yeah. And what's your favorite role? What's... You don't have one. I love to write. I really love to write because mm. that's, it's fantastic. You're alone. It's in your head. But I have to say that conducting is one of the biggest pleasures in the world. I wish for everybody in the world to be able to stand one time in front of 100 people and get the sound I get. And when you show them with your hands like that and then they play softer and then you get... I tell you, that's quite nice. The way you describe it makes me want to experience that. 
And when you write um, music for movies and TV and things, is that something that you have always wanted to do or it's just an extra? No, we sl I slipped into that. Okay. But it brought me, I would never, I would not do the, uh, the symphonic stuff I do now conducting if I would not have been slipping into the film music. Mm -hmm. And I slipped in it with Andy Bausch very early. I had no clue. He asked me to do a movie for him, a Wapa Bluebub was called. And uh, Maggie and I, we did some music. We had no clue. We didn't know 24 pictures, 25 frames. Uh, you know, absolutely nothing. We recorded on a four track and then we got nominated for European Best um, Film Composing. Mm -hmm. uh, that is when you don't know how you're doing it because after that, I never got that uh, nominated again. But, you <laughs> see, uh, but that's how I slipped into it. Okay. And what about your WPR records um, that you founded in 2004? Well, that is, you know, um, it's like having a boat. You have you open a record company because I know that the Luxembourgers have a lot of trouble outside the country because they are immediately international ex. So you get compared when you go to Germany, you are with Herbie Hancock because you're international mm -hmm. when you go to Belgium. So the thing is that I wanted to do a label for Luxembourger, Luxembourgish jazz guys, because as I found it's a jazz class. 85 in the conservatoire I have some responsibility for that and so far we brought out 28 different albums from different people and the condition is that they have to write their own material mm -hmm. it says that it helps promote young musicians well I am professor since very long time 35 years now or I don't know and um, I like to be with the kids and the thing is that I got help too and I think that's what you have to give on Do you think there's a difference between young musicians now and when you were younger? Uh, yes. They have availability we didn't have. They have YouTube, they have everything. You can find everything on the Internet. Everything is there. So there is a tendency to get more lazy with it. Not everybody. Huh? Mm -hmm. but, and the more information they have, the less they actually look for it. Mm -hmm. And our days uh, was a little bit... I, I'm speaking like an old guy now. I know it sounds... Corny, but we had to buy a record and then we had to listen to it and then we had to write down the pieces, you know, by listening to them. So we learned how they arranged at the same time. Now you go into internet and you say you can find the pieces, anything yeah. and you have the whole arrangement ready. So it has its best and his, you know, both ways. Yeah, yeah so you've so. done all types of albums from classical, jazz and dance, but what is your favorite genre of music? I feel like I already know the answer to this. Yeah, that is really difficult. I love classical music. I thought so. I adore jazz. Yeah. I'm into rap. I'm actually started with heavy metal, you know, when Black Sabbath was my favorite when I was 13. So, I mean, I and I try to keep my ears very open to everything. So there's no one type of music that you love. No, my heart sinks the most into jazz, I have to say, because jazz is a kind of a lifestyle. It's not only listening to music or playing, but it's being the little anarchist you can be. For me, the, the impression that I have of jazz is that you are a little detached from the real world. You have it more with instrumental music because you do your own picture. When you have songs which are tell somebody tells you the lyrics, you listen to the lyrics, so you get more involved with that. And yes, I am have a tendency for um, instrumental music because yes, you can do your own pictures. But it's not only jazz who can you can make an evasion, um, you can escape. Yeah. Um, so am I right to say that we could potentially be hearing you rapping? 
Um, not me, <laughs> but I uh, participated on albums and on stuff where there was rapping, and I had a rapper in Largo at a certain moment. I had a DJ in Largo yeah. with my jazz band. No, I'm, I'm trying to be cool. <laughs> I think you're succeeding in your own uh, unique way. And if you had to give your 18-year-old self some advice, what advice would you have said? Not to be such an arrogant asshole in the beginning when you get a little bit of recognition. Mm -hmm. Because you hurt people and they will not forget you. Mm -hmm. But it's okay now because... Oh, no, it was a long, <laughs> long time ago. But, you know, but that's, that's something uh, even because the first time when you get a little bit recognized, you know, and yeah. stuff... You all of a sudden, because you get your, your, your table at the restaurant and, you know, it's a stupid little things, but and then you think all of a sudden that you are really important. And in fact, you are really not important. It really doesn't matter. But it would have been hard to say that at 18 when, uh, when you're getting well, very excited. it was not excited. quite 18, it was like 23, 24. Yeah. And you're, you know, well, you're a prick then, so what can I say? What were you like as a child? I guess you should ask my mother. <laughs> And what advice do you have for musicians now? Because it's we have different struggles now than you would have done from your observation. Instead of being worried too much about also royalties and fame, be really in it for the music. And then some will get lucky and some will be a little bit less lucky. But at least you will be doing something you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think that will... Because, you know, people forget that one day we're going to have to go, you know, we're mm -hmm. going to die. And at least you had, if you had fun during that time, I think it's much easier to go. Yeah. And, you know, now we have the Internet and you said that sometimes it makes people lazy. But um, on the other end of the spectrum is that it also gets the recognition out there very quickly. For example, the musicians that are discovered on YouTube. What do you think of those kind of discoveries? Exceptions. It's exactly the same exceptions. Yeah. They were in the 60s, in the 70s and the 80s. All of a sudden there was always somebody who came out. But you cannot take that for gross generality. Mm -hmm. If you wait for that, no, yeah, it's not going to happen. Or if it happened to you, then you can also play the lottery because you might get lucky. So it's better to just work hard and keep well, your feet on the ground. Maybe I sound a little bit old fashioned, but I think that will probably help a lot more. And also, you know, it's like this me, me, me society. You know, actually nobody gives a rat's ass about a selfie. Mm -hmm. And what job would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Um, cook. Okay. So you're into cooking? I love cooking. Okay. I like to eat. So therefore, I had to learn to cook. And do you cook well? Uh, no. It's the same thing than and, uh, somebody who does a little bit of music on the side and yeah. a professional. No. compared. It's to, a hobby, yeah. Exactly. No. Compared to chefs, absolutely terrible. Is that how you unwind when you want to just disconnect from your work a little bit? Is that the thing that you do or do you have something else? I drive bike. Okay. What kind of bike? Well, is there different bikes? Of course. No, there's only one bike. There's only one motorcycle. Yeah. What are you talking about? Bike? I mean, there's only Harley. I have to say it, but is there other bikes? <laughs> okay. And is there anything coming up that you want people to know about? Yes, well, maybe for Luxembourg, there's one mm. interesting thing. We're yeah. doing with Angelique to thank, actually, the country a little bit for this nomination for the Grammys, the 21st of June with the Symphony Orchestra for the Fiddler Musique. 
as the orchestra was so nice to invite Angelique, so we're doing the program where we got nominated for the Grammys. We're doing free on the Knudler okay. for the Fête la Musique. And where can we get uh, tickets? There are no tickets. There it's are for no... free. Okay. It's all for free. So we it, just show up? You just show up. It's okay. like every year. I do this since, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and each year we do a different program. This year it's going to be Angelique. And for the rest, yes, I'm traveling a little bit everywhere. This I'm doing a very interesting thing in uh, Shanghai, mm-hmm. which is Shanghai Symphony Orchestra. Uh, that's going to be old Chinese music rewritten for symphony orchestra, a jazz trio, a, a Chinese singer, and two old instruments, two uh, ancient uh, Chinese instruments. Okay. Will we be able to hear that online or by the CD? Uh, that I will tell you when I come back from Shanghai in, in February. It's going to get recorded, but I don't know if it's going to be internet in China. Okay. But the project has already... has steered some interest at the Philharmonie in Paris and you know, it, it will take time. This is the first time we're going to do it and then we see. Okay, it sounds very interesting. Um, thank you so much for coming in today. You're very welcome. And thank you. I have one last question that we ask all our guests. What is the soundtrack to your life, Gust? Well, I have different soundtracks in my life so I would not fall for one. So I think you should from... Uh, what you saw me or you hear from me, maybe you choose my soundtrack. Okay, I'm going to choose one for you. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. A huge thank you for Gus Feltzing for coming in and taking time to do the interview with us. And I'm really, really delighted to say that since the interview, he has won the World Music Grammy, um, a really well-deserved award and uh, something which is huge, not only for him. So I wanted to congratulate him and I wanted to play you the soundtrack to his life, which I think should be his collaboration with Angelique Kidjo. Um, I've had a quick listen to it already. It's a fantastic track. Just the combination of the orchestra with the authentic African sounds and the voice of Angelique Kidjo is really, really amazing. I've never heard anything quite like it and Gus Faltzing put everything together and he is, of course, the conductor as well. So please enjoy this. And please don't forget to leave a rating and a review for my podcast. It makes a really big difference to us and it only takes two seconds. Thank you so much for doing that. And the How I Got Here episodes will be out every fortnight so you can catch the next one in two weeks. I'm Marina Lai and thank you very much for listening to Our City Radio's How I Got Here. Oh